Welcome back to Staying at Home with the Williamses. I'm Sarah Milliken, metaphorically waving through the window with you all, spying on Robbie and Ida, with their permission, of course. And here is my usual warning in case there are young kids nearby. Swearing comes fast and loose in the Williams household. I feel like you preemptively clapped. Yeah. It was a preemptive clap. I was removing I was removing lettuce from my teeth. That's why I got sacked from Take That. Removing lettuce from your teeth? No, for preemptive clapping. Preemptive clapping. I've got my P45 and on the form it says for preemptive clapping. Robbie Williams now has to leave Take That. Hi, Ida Field-Williams. You, you clap bastard. Oh, there we go. Hi, Ida Field-Williams. Hi, Robert Peter Williams. How are you doing this I know fine we, day? I know we've discussed it, but mm -hmm. do I call you... I like calling you Ida Field. You yeah. get offended. I don't get, I don't get offended because I love that name. It's just weird that on the marriage certificate, that's actually not my name anymore. So I feel like either you change your name to Field... And yeah. we just go with the Ida Field and your Robbie Field. Or every now and then you remember that I'm also a Williams now. Yeah, but who did I fall in love with? Ida Field. Exactly. Who but do I've, I still love? But I've changed. Yeah. Oh, you've changed. <laughs> oh, she's got her feet under that table. <laughs> Robert, you don't mean that. I don't mean that. No, um, no I, 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 I love Ida Field because that is who I am. But I, I think also it changes once you have kids because... You know, like, as a oh, unit. So, so you've got kids now. So I've got kids now. So I'm a Williams because i got kids. Huh? No, what I mean is that, like, once you have kids, it's very nice kind of being the team all with the same last name. I enjoy that. I love that we are the Williamses. It's funny that we should be talking about names and family because this yeah. is what this podcast is all about. Well, isn't that a coincidence? Yeah. Not really. I don't think we're fooling anyone, but rest assured there is some planning that goes into these shenanigans. And Robbie and Ida, let's ignore the surname issue for the moment again, have graciously opened up their home to us all through this podcast so we can see how lockdown life in lavish LA has been affecting them. The beautiful part of quarantine is every day is kind of like family day because we're not really doing anything else besides hanging out with your family. But today it feels very relaxed and mellow. Um, I'm enjoying this soft side of quarantine where it feels connected with our family. Like the kids are playing in the garden. We're just hanging out. I'm in my my habitual outfit of tank top and pajama pants. I switched to a more summer pajama pant today because it was warmer. So I wanted to honor the weather with a different pajama pant. Um, and you are in your snuggly bugly sweatsuit that you normally wear. Um, I was just reflecting about how nice this has been with our family because I feel like we're getting the opportunity to do a lot more things together without the distraction of the outside world. And um, I feel like the kids are really flourishing in quarantine. Or maybe I'm just telling myself that because... No, they're really flourishing in quarantine. I think our seven-year-old Teddy will remember that this happened. I don't think Charlie, as a five-year-old, will remember this particular moment in his life. What I'm enjoying in particular is the knowledge that my job would have taken me away easily five times yeah. for, for maybe uh, three weeks' worth of work, maybe four weeks' worth, mm -hmm. worth of work in this lockdown. And it actually hasn't. And I'm with the kids every day and I'm with you every day and I love it and yeah. it's beautiful. I can't wait for the world to get back to normal because there's abundance out there for me to go and be creative with 
and achieve. I love, I love a good project. But I'm very, very happy that I've been able to be here every day. And I don't have to get on a plane and go to another continent. I could just be present. As Robbie points out, much of the world is still in some form of lockdown. But things are changing. To quote a song I like to hum from time to time, we've come a long way, but we're not too sure where we've been. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Do you think our children are going to remember this time? I mean, I'm going to obviously take Bo and Coco out of the equation because Coco's not even two and Bo's only a couple months old. So I'm going to, I think it's a safe bet to say that this is going unnoticed by those two. Um, although I do think that Coco will notice the um, depreciating mini viewing as we get back to normal world, normal new normal, because she's watching a lot of mini right now, which is one of the guilty things I do as a parent is multitasking between all the kids. I have slipped into the, yeah, let's just watch the TV, which I know is bad. I know that's not the solution. But if I'm being honest, it's the easiest one sometimes and I'm exhausted and I just go, yeah, let's let's watch mini. And it's it's kind of really relaxing for me because my brain can check out as I'm staring at the like mouse tools. I go into some weird alternate like Puff the Magic Dragon zone where I'm like, this is groovy. What's the mouse tool they're going to use? Is it the toilet paper or the elephant? I find uh, Mickey's Clubhouse incredibly annoying. You know, there are certain TV programs that the kids can watch. Like, I remember when we found Sophia the First. <laughs> like, we found... You sounded like Columbus finding America, just sound. Well, when, we, when we found Sophia the First. Well, for me, Sophia the First was like a discovery that, uh, that gave me joy because it could go on in the background and it wouldn't interfere with my happiness. There is a lot of TV programs for the toddler that interfere with my happiness. Well, can I tell you a story about Sophia the First? I mean, by the way, fierce amulet that she wears. Yeah. Uh, is that an actress that I did a TV show with many years ago was the voice of one of the birds. So I always had instant flashback to working with this actress every time I heard this bird chirp in and talk. So it was, it would be relaxing. And then it would take me to some weird post-traumatic stress disorder of this show that I did. Cause this act, actress would kind of appear as a bird and, and go like, Hey, let, you want to play? Ask you a question. And I would, yeah. Were you, were you jealous that she got that part? No, I did. I did not want to be the bird in Sophia the first. I think you're lying. I think, no, I don't want to be the bird in Sophia the first. I think you do want to be the bird. Well, in now Sophia you're just, now you're just talking bird shit is what you're talking. Mm. Bird shit. I don't want to be the bird. I was in the village doing just fine. Then I came a princess overnight. Right. So much to learn and see. Up in the castle with my new family. Or the place that's up for just for me. Yeah, the thing is You really did like that show. I was trying to keep up with you. I I dog I dog Sophia the first. I'm looking forward to when Coco transfers from from Mickey to to Sophia the first. Do you know who I also like was Doc McStuffins? She no. cared about animals. No. She had her own practice. No. See, I'd rather be Doc McStuffins or one of her fluffy friends than the bird in Sophia the First. When, when, I don't even like birds. When uh, my when Teddy found Shira, I was like, Oh yeah, yes. We because were really excited. It's only a lily pad step mm-hmm. to He Man, and then He Man was found, and I was like, Right now we get to watch all sorts with them. I know, like. I back mean, to the Future. Boogie Nights. No, I'm just kidding. Huh. Um, back, back to, to the, the Future. future. 
uh, Goonies. Uh-huh. Uh, we've watched The Avengers. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We've watched Wonder Woman. We watched a lot of my favorite classics as a kid. Uh, Overboard, Troop Beverly Hills. Which doesn't exist in England. But the kids loved it. By the way, anyone who hasn't seen Troop Beverly Hills, like, check it out. Shelley Long, incredibly funny. And, uh, yeah, it's good. It's just um, a silly movie. Th- there's two, like, American staples that I don't think became culturally relevant. Not in Stoke-on-Trent. Don't say Shelley Long. Don't say no, Shelley Long. No, not in Stoke-on-Trent. Overboard wasn't a big hit in Stoke, and neither was True Beverly Hills a big hit It's such a shame because it really brought lots of joy to our children. Yeah. Um, so that's what we've been doing. We have... Well, we've been watching TV, which is the bad bit, but we've been doing lots of outside playing. Like when the weather's nice, we definitely take advantage. We've got an amazing garden, which is, I think, why we bought the house is the garden is just killer. And we have a swimming pool. I'm sorry to say that, but we do. We do. We do have a swimming pool. God damn our luck. (laughs) If it makes you feel better, sometimes it's not heated. There, I've said it. Sometimes it's not heated. So Um, I, I spend a lot of time in the swimming pool throwing the children. Yeah, there which is, one of our children there's one there. of our children running, just running into the garden. God knows what she's doing. Um, yeah, this is the part where it's annoying being a woman in the sense that, Rob, you can throw the kids in the pool and they get really excited. And then they turn to me like, mommy, mommy, throw me. And like, I can't throw them the way you can throw them. And I always feel like such a lame parent because like, I'm like, baby, I can't throw you. And they're like, no, throw me, throw me. And I'm like, okay. And I literally give it my all. And honestly, they go like a foot and they look so underwhelmed and crushing it. And then they go look immediately and they go, daddy, daddy, throw me. And I just feel like I've gone, wow, I'm just the underwhelming parent in the fun category. Well, for aggressive strength stuff, they'll come to me for nurturing neurotic things whoa uh, whoa you know it's like you almost said a nice thing and then you just snatched it right back i was giving you a compliment and you snatched yours right back they'll uh, they'll come to you and there's the mildly bickering robbie and ida that we've come to know and love now i don't know about you but i so enjoy hearing tales of other people's kids never gets old never i just (laughs) robbie you were saying something Two stories, two kids' stories. Okay. Uh, one is, I'm not saying that my kids are raised in a different world than I was, mm-hmm. but the other night at bedtime, Teddy rearranged Charlie's furniture in mm-hmm. his bedroom mm-hmm. and then tried to charge him for interior design. <laughs> Which I was, you know, I thought was very entrepreneurial of her. And and Charlie, bless him, was a bit of a sucker and wanted to pay her. Yeah. I, I also uh, was... Proud and dismayed at the same time. It's like, good for you with the entrepreneurial stuff. Yeah, I mean, strong woman. And then, come on, dude, have a backbone. Do not let your sister run you around, dude. Like, she's, she's, she's doing a racket on you. She's seven years old, and at seven years old, I didn't know what interior design was. Well, she's very fashion forward. Yeah, she's she got is. an eye an eye for design, dare I say, Robbie Williams. Same night, yeah. I'm putting Charlie to bed, uh-huh. and... Uh, <laughs> And he turns to me and he goes, Daddy, and he's got a smile on his face. He says, uh, when I am older, you will be a granddad. And I said, no, that's not how it works. I said, son, I said, you have to have a child. And then I become a granddad. And he said, Daddy, he said, when I have a child, that child will be one year, two year, three year, four year, and then you'll die. Yeah, he did say that. With that look on his face of just like, yeah, and then you'll die. He didn't seem remotely upset by the thought, which I found sad 
No. <laughs> quite quite sociopathic. Yeah, he was removed, detached from the outcome of how that felt. Yeah, but it did make me laugh. And then I told Teddy, and Teddy made me repeat that story. She thought it was the funniest thing ever. Ten times. She just could she was barely laughing at the fact that he was so nonplussed about uh, his own father's death. Well, if it makes you feel any better, anytime I wear a dress or anything that Teddy likes, she goes, Can I have this when you die? Yeah. It's like immediate. There's not like a it's not like, oh, it'll be so hard for me, but the one thing that would help me get through the pain is this beautiful dress. It's more like anything I wear, even if it's just like costume jewelry. Uh, can I have those when you die? Can I have those? It's like, it's like oh, okay, you, you, I'm not sure if they're just waiting for us to pop our clogs so they can just move in and redecorate. You've and made the shit. mistake of telling Teddy that when you do pass away, she gets your jewelry. So every time now that there's a birthday for you or an anniversary or... She wants me to get jewellery so she can cash in later. Or Happy Wednesday or whatever it is. It's like, Daddy, shouldn't you be going to mo- take Mummy to the jewellery store? Is, <laughs> I mean, is she not worth it? And I'm like, you're just exploiting loopholes. You just want half of that stuff for you. Yeah, but like, I got to love that my girl's got my back, yo. She's got my back. She's got her own back. She's got her own back. But you know what? Well, and also the, the devastating news for her is that I've explained to her that she can't have everything because obviously she, she has cocoa and they have to share stuff. So now she's in this frantic bid to like call dibs on things first so that Coco doesn't get it. And then I'm always kind of offended when I'm wearing a dress and she goes, oh, Coco can have that one. I'm like, oh, does that mean this is crap? <laughs> yeah, Coco can have that, which is just like so disheartening. It's almost worse than you saying I don't like how that looks is, is Teddy saying Coco can have it. Which is also why I think she was really excited that she was having a baby brother. Because she said, do you remember when she said that means Charlie's going to have to split his stuff too? Yeah. She was really excited that, that you were going to have to share stuff of yours with Charlie and his brother, that she wasn't going to have to divvy up any of her booty with anyone else. It's all about priorities, isn't it? If that's what lockdown has taught us, it's about assessing what you really want in life. And if that means developing an eye for jewellery at, I'd say, quite a young age, then so be it. Now, if Robbie and Ida are considering what to give away, as and when, I will gladly take their swimming pool. But I don't think they're planning on that anytime soon. In fact, I go as far as to say they plan on sticking around together for a very long time. I don't know, it's just a hunch. Has quarantine brought us closer together? Do you know what? This is going to be sickening for people out there. Yeah. But, oh my God, I am so fucking in love with you. Aww. I am gooey so, center. So, oh my God. You just God. did it. You did the gooey center. The heart exterior is gone. Chew on through to the Tootsie Pop. You know, when people say, do you have pinch yourself moments for me? It's like I, I did at the start of my career. And then my career just got motoring and it went too fast for me to catch hold of. The pinch myself moments I have now are when I, I, I stop and take stock of the relationship that we have. Agreed. You know, and, um, and, you know, I, how much even more I'm in love with you than actually on our wedding day. Aww. You know, and that was the best day of our lives. So I'm incredibly grateful for our relationship. And I'm incredibly grateful when people notice it yeah. and say kind things to us about yeah. our relationship yeah. to us and we yeah. go oh yeah i'm glad you've noticed that because that's how we feel yeah. about each other and it and uh, so has this has this brought us closer together i can tell you this in the four has it been four months yeah or five since february okay since february <laughs> how long ago was february well in those four months there's been the <laughs> The where are you sleeping debacle mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. a 
That was a, it was a hurdle we had to jump over. It was an hour's worth of yeah. discombobulation. Now we do still sleep in the same bed, which uh, is great. And then the, the next one was the be there at seven o'clock or run a bath at seven o'clock. Yeah. When yeah, we know which the food's happening. Which we've confronted and I think we've overcome. <laughs> which I'm still laughing about the fact that yeah. you took that so seriously. I took then. it deeply. You I took, took it deeply. deeply. Uh, apart from those two things. Yeah. This going to make you sick in listening land, but it, we yeah, have been in bliss together. Yeah, we have. And it's... Which is pretty cool. You know, it's like we don't get on each other's nerves. Mm-mm. There won't be a COVID baby in, no, in nine no. months. <laughs> and there won't be what's a COVID the, divorce. What's the opposite of COVID baby? Like COVID... Are we going to be COVID virgins after this? Oh, no. I think once that horse is bolted, it is long gone. But what do I know? Well... Isn't that lovely? A little mixed messagey at the end there, if I'm honest. But overall, Robbie loves Ida and vice versa. We get it. We both want the same things now. Yeah, we do. Because <laughs> like when I got together with you, I can remember talking to, um, what's his name, Black? Uh, Clive Black? Cl- no, his dad. The Don best. Black. Don, of course. Uh, my, the Don. Uh, the Don, one of the best the lyricists of all time. And I can remember talking to him about his relationship with his lovely wife, who's, who's uh, passed sadly away passed away. And I was saying, how did you do it? And he said, well, we both wanted the same things. And at the time, I can remember thinking, oh, shit. Well, I don't want the same thing as I don't her. want the same thing as Ida. Not this bitch. No, no I, I want that bitch, but I don't want the family for, right. for, 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 many, for many reasons. Yeah. You no, know, I it's know. like I, I remember you saying, How can because I think you battled with depression so badly that you always thought, How could you raise someone when you felt when I can't so, raise myself? Yeah, I remember you saying that. How can I raise someone when I can't raise myself and I come from a broken home? So, w- w- what is the point of me actually doing this? It wasn't a selfish reason, it was a sort of humane reason yeah. when I, I can't actually I am at war in my own head every single day how can I and, and I can't look after myself so how can I justify bringing somebody into the world anyway but when I have a really good question for you as you were saying that what do you think the transition was in your head where because obviously you're a great father and you know you're wonderful with the kids and those demons don't don't deter you from being an incredible parent. What do you think the transition was in your head from complete fear on how can I raise these kids when I can't raise myself? You know, all those thoughts. What was the click aha moment where you went, oh, no, I can. I can shift into this gear. Necessity. Because I already had the kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was, it, look, when you are drinking yeah. and you're boozing and you're doing drugs, one of the big hang-ups is you cannot possibly imagine you being interesting or having personality or having fulfillment or having joy without numbing yourself with alcohol, pills or powders. Mm-hmm. And that's a big problem for people. It's like, well, I can't give this up because it's my personality and it's my right. character. My identity. So when it got to my identity is mm-hmm. being single and mm-hmm. my identity is not having children, mm-hmm. Who am I going to be when that happens? And I guess that unconsciously you think that strangers are going to come and invade your house. And take your brain. And take your brain and take your time and take your energy and take all the fun away. What you don't realize for me that becomes apparent 
after they start responding to you. By the way, you realize becomes a parent, becomes a parent. Becomes a parent. Just sidebar that. It's that moment when Teddy just looked at me and the universe looked at me. No. And there was that, just that connection of, oh, this overwhelming euphoric feeling higher than any drug and more real than any pill or any powder or any alcohol. And I think in that moment that I, I got it, the it's first great. year I didn't, I was terrified. Well, I mean, I remember when I was pregnant, you were, <laughs> I just remember being so excited and I'd look over you and you're like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> and you looked fucking freaked out. You were not excited. You were not on board. Bless you. Cause gosh, darn it. You took a leap of faith with me. But you were not uh, you were not as pumped as I was, and I could see the look of bewilderment and fear and aversion in your eyes. Yeah, it was kind of like, how can you do this to me, knowing mm-hmm. how, how much fragile I, I hate it, how much I don't want to do how it, how fragile I am. That being said, it has been the making of me. Agreed. It has absolutely been the making of me, and my life is fuller. I am more consistent. I'm more present. Um, I'm more refined. I'm more, um, the word content. Content. I think that sums it up, content. Yeah, I'm content. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. And where is when you and grounded. When you've experienced the insane highs that I have experienced, you think that that's what life is about. You think that you should feel like Rocky Balboa on the top of Everest. Yeah. That's how you feel. Never thought about that because I don't think I've ever thought about the actual highs that you've experienced in terms of your highs will be higher than most people's because there'll be a combination of extreme fame performance in front of hundreds of thousands of people and the kind of adrenaline that comes with that combined by mounting that even higher with drugs on some other level. It's like people either can experience highs from drugs. They don't usually experience highs from performing in front of hundreds of thousands of people, but you kind of speedballed the two in your time and performed in front of all these people and been high. And I can't imagine actually how fucking high that must be. That's like, that's like, to the moon or Mars high, whereas like my high is like a glass of wine and some ice cream, which is it's just probably more of a, a mohill in comparison. So, well, so to, to, I never thought about how you would be afraid of not achieving those heights in your life by changing your life. Well, to, to actually just to get to the place that is just above okay mm-hmm. is such an achievement and such a beautiful place to actually be. And you only realize that you're there after months of being it. Mm-hmm. You don't notice the change. You just at some point go, hang on, I just strung together eight months of just of above joy. okay. And then of joy. And in those moments, 
pathos and love and romance and, and achievement and gratification. And instead of it having to be going at 30,000 miles an hour at breakneck speed, you know, sort of skidding into the grave, the pace can slow down and you can enjoy the small things that are actually huge. Wow, not gonna lie. I was not expecting such wisdom from the Robster there. Feels wrong to make a joke out of any of that, even if Robbie's small and huge revelations are moments away from a punchline, but I won't go there. We all need to hear about happiness from time to time, and you know what? Isn't that lovely? How has being a parent changed your relationship or your perception of your parents? Um, it, it's changed my perception of my parents to the point where, oh, I get it. It for for me, it's it's been like the hang-ups that I had about my parenting. Uh, I see myself doing the same things, and as who is your mom or your dad? I mean, I, I don't want to get in. I don't want to have any beef about my growing up or you know dragging up old things that I, I just want to be vague about it. Okay. So in in vague hues, mm -hmm. it's like I get it now from the perspective of being an adult that is also a child. I understand that they were children mm -hmm. raising children, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. So when I was playing football and I look over and my mom's attention has drifted somewhere else and they're not looking at me, it doesn't mean that they don't love me or they're not proud or they're not interested. It just means that it's a bit boring that right now. <laughs> it means is that I'm a bit bored, actually. You know what's made me think with my parents is I think being a parent gives your parents a bit of humanity in the sense that like when you are growing up, they're just your mom or your dad and like that's all they've ever been. It's like it's like, you know, BC and AC. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're just a parent. But like as you become older and then you become a parent, you kind of see them in this in this context of, oh, they were a person before they were a parent. They're not just a parent. They're not just mom. They're Gwen. And Gwen had her adventures before me. There was a whole life that existed before me. And she's a human and she gets to make mistakes and she gets to she gets to be like I am, you know, and, and it this relationship kind of spreads and they're not just your parent, they're an adult and they're a human and you can relate to them on a kind of like multi-dimensional platform. Yeah, because like your parents are the government. Yeah, but then all of a sudden you see them in a human light as you become a parent. You're like, oh, they were just a me. They were just a 20-something or a 30-something doing their thing. Exactly. They're not monolithic and they're not a governmental structure. They're not superpower they're, they're, heroes. They're, they're humans with their, and they're, they're fallible mm -hmm. and, and they, they, they try to steer you in the right direction. And when they were being strict, it was because that was what they thought was best for you. And it was. But also, when you find out that they're not perfect, because we're not perfect, I think that's when the facade crumbles and you go, hang on a minute, but you are not perfect human beings. But I think it helped me as an adult kind of go not be so angry. Not that I was super angry, but there definitely were like frustrations with my mom because she was the kind of single parent figure. So you kind of transfer all this shit that like, let's be honest, my dad really deserved too, but she was the one that was there. But you get to surrender some of that anger because you go, oh, wait a minute, you're just a person. You were just a human. You were your own fucked up, beautiful mess that was raising me and you're just a person and that's okay. 
Speaking of which, have you been checking in with your parents during quarantine? Yes, I have. At the start of quarantine, very, very often. Uh-huh. Um, as we got further into quarantine... You cared less about them? Maybe a couple of times a week. <laughs> but at the start of quarantine, it was every day. Why do you think it's dropped off? Do you think just the, the novelty of quarantine is, has worn off? Or do you think... Well, I, you know, uh, because at the start of it, there was lots of panic. It uh-huh. was a very new thing. Uh-huh. We didn't know what was going to happen uh-huh. next. Yeah. And as the reality of the situation sort of took hold, you realise that the sky isn't falling. Or it, it may do, but it's not going to be falling right now. And maybe the whole panic situation and the uncertainty sort of dissipates into a new normal. So therefore, I sort of probably called less because I was less worried about them. Yeah, that makes sense. So at the start of like uh, the quarantine, I was calling my mum daily. Yeah. And after, I would say, three weeks, she had a period where she didn't look so good. Yeah. You know, and I would share that with you, right? Yeah, you would share that with me. And I was like... You would also share that on a podcast, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So she didn't look so good. I was worried about her. And then she sort of ramped up and out of that, right? Yeah. But in between then, I do a interview on, on online. Mm-hmm. And I happen to mention, as an aside, uh, in between the one hour, 40 minutes that I was talking, uh, mom's, mom's not very, uh, she, she seems to be not dealing with it very well. Dad's got Parkinson's, uh, mother-in-law's got Parkinson's and cancer. Of course, the press go, boom. Uh, his mom is not well and the cancer and the Parkinson's. Well, they're big things. They, they are big things. But what I'm saying is it, it, it always with the press, it feels they make it appear like I did a press conference. Right. Like you, you called you called all the affiliates in. You had the podium. You just finished that quote. I'm rich by, beyond my wildest dreams. Yeah. And this is what's up with my parents. This is what's up with my parents now. Yeah. Anyway, so I phoned my mom, and I'm not checking the newspapers. No, I'm not looking at the mainstream media. So I phoned my mom, and she goes, um, are you okay? And I said, yeah. She said, can you see my face? And mm-hmm. I was like, what, 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 what? And she showed me, and I thought, oh, she's got sunburn because it's sunny. And she said, no, look at my eyes. Look at my eyes. And I'm like, what? And she's like, the mirror, the story <laughs> in the mirror where I'm not well, the story, the mirror. Look at my eyes. Do I look? Do I look as though? And I'm like, I don't know what you're Ooh, on about. Oh, you got in trouble, boy. You in trouble with your mama. Yeah, but that was like the moment where I was like, oh, there's been... Uh, it's, and I had to figure it out by cluing pieces of information cut together. And, cut and pasting clickbait together. Oh, there's been some clickbait article written about an interview that I did in a period where you weren't that great before you ramped up into being absolutely amazing which she is she's on fine form but in that moment i had to figure out what she meant because also of the three amigos listed in that article she was the one that was doing best yeah yeah she was you know yeah let's i mean let's let's not forget pete with parkinson's and gwen's with the with the all-star winner of parkinson's lupus and cancer standing front of the podium with uh, i I think when news is taken and sensationalized and you know there's sort of like money being made from misery Mm -hmm. i i think that it, it kind of can be shameful and jarring to the person that it's connected to. Hence, I think my mum felt a bit of embarrassment, like amongst that, her friends. Right, that she might not be well. Or that she, she might not be well, yeah. Luckily, Robbie is not stoking any of those fires by talking about them here, and goes without saying that our best wishes go to all of the Williams's parents and in-laws. 
and to anyone out there as well who was coping with illness. It's been quite emotional this week so far, hasn't it? Can I also just point out something really miraculous happened with those articles in that revelation of obviously our, our parents' health, my mom's in particular, um, was that, and, and just, just, just brace for this, and I didn't believe you when you came in and told me, was that Liam Gallagher reached out to you on Twitter wishing you well. When you came in to tell me that, I actually thought you were taking the piss because I didn't believe you. And it took a moment. And I'd like to, I just would like to skip back to, and I don't know if we discussed this, but, you know, five months ago when we did the Christmas podcast or six months ago, yeah. you two wanted to beat the shit out of each other or you wanted to challenge him to some sort of geriatric fight that was not going to end well. And I said, that's ridiculous. And also, why don't we just let go of some of the hate? Because I feel like there's an opportunity here. And you were like, no. And you start, you don't understand and blah, blah, blah. And there's a history and there's some things. And you just wanted to like pound your chest and then like challenge him to an old man duel. And then now... In quarantine, after the revelation of your dad's health and my mom's health, he reached out to you. In one line on Twitter, I'm going to say, like, 25 years of hate disappeared. We didn't need to beat the shit out of each other. There was no embarrassing ringside, you know, match, you know, with, like, dentures flying out. And and all is better now. There can be an actual mutual, even if it's not even love. I'm going to say love. But if it's not love just lack of hate which is kind of cool that it can go away so quickly can i jump in no love love liam gallagher <laughs> I, do. I just like to I do. can we play an excerpt <laughs> okay this is what i would like i don't know if we can do this but i'd like to play an excerpt about what you said about liam gallagher on our christmas podcast no 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 no, no, no yeah. and no, then no, i'd no, like no. you to say that Wait, again listen no yeah i tell you this this is what i've said about liam gallagher all the way through this period of resent resentment Incredible rock and roll star, incredible icon, voice of a generation, charismatic, really, really funny. If you're going to emulate anybody, you know, he's a great person to emulate. I've said that. I've also said I wanted to smash his face in. But you also said on the tagline of how talented he was is sometimes you have to separate the dickhead from the talent. So I'm going to say you gave it the compliment, but you took it the way. You didn't really ever fully give him compliments there was definitely a, a very healthy reserve of hate absolutely but I, but i have all the way through this given a big up where a big up is deserved now listen the resentment is completely and utter disintegrated with one very kind tweet sent by the man himself and i replied uh, thank you. Uh, that, that that means a lot to me, which it does. Carry on being celestial. The world needs you. Heart and a kiss. Since that moment, mm -hmm. nothing but love. I return to just being a fan. I'm, That's what I'm, I mean, I've but always I'm just, been a fan of Liam Gallagher. But it goes to show you how silly it was. In one line, it was dissipated. It was like it was like that fight that no one even knows how it started. It was like you've been carrying this for thirty years, or twenty years, or a hundred years, or whatever it is. And and in one moment, in a tweet, in a friggin' tweet. Well, when this goes out on on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, if the newspapers or mainstream media are listening to this, please don't misrepresent my words here because, you I know... I think you're asking for the impossible. Well, there. I am, but... That's what, like when you say don't look down. The first thing you do is look down. But I, I'm just saying, what I'm saying here is I have nothing but love for the man. 
I now get to be the fan that I always was. I know, but it's so great. I told you you were being a bit ridiculous before. I'm glad we've all come to the same conclusion. It's okay. Which brings me on to um, what the podcast can be about next time or a future one. Who to resent now because I've got a big gap in my life. Yeah, that's true. You do have a void. It's like, who are you going to hate now? Who are you going to feel insecure about? Because you, you, you seem to have embraced Liam Gallagher. We've got to find someone for Rob to resent. That's what we should put out to the fans next is who should Rob Robbie Williams resent next? Because you've, you've gotten back together with all the Take That boys. You love them dearly. There's no beef with Gary Barlow. You now have nothing but love for Liam Gallagher. Who's, who's on the I, list? I, well, I, I just... Oh, I know someone. Me. I resent myself more than I resent anybody on the planet. Oh, for sure. So I can go back to just resenting me. And that's where we're going to have to leave it, my friends. Until next time. Frankly, anything could happen. So let's all just be kind. Who knows what we'll discover staying at home with the Williamses. Ida, the people need to know about your podcast, Postcards from the Edge. Tell them what it's about and how people can find it. Sure, Robbie Williams. Postcards from the Edge is all about me, an American girl, chatting to my British friends about our differences. Most weeks I'll be joined by my mum, Gwen, and sometimes you pop up. But for the most part, it's me learning about naked attraction and how to say sorry all the time with the likes of David Williams, Alan Carr, Judge Rinder, Ollie Murs, and loads more amazing guests. So please check it out and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Mm-hmm.